Hi everyone, hope you're well. So glad that you can join us again today. I want to take a moment today to encourage your heart with a very simple thought. And that simple thought is this, God sees you. You know, it's important that we understand that God sees us individually. Christianity can sometimes be a very crowd-centric thing. Often Christianity can involve meetings and services where we gather together. Now that's important. God loves that. But it's also important that each of us understand that God doesn't know us as a part of a crowd. He knows us individually. That when God looks at you, when God looks at me, he doesn't see just a flower lost among flowers, but rather he knows you by name. He loves you personally. He desires an individual relationship with you. He has things that he wants to say to you personally. He wants to be intricately involved with situations you may be facing. Like I said, sometimes Christianity can feel a little bit like a crowd thing, but it's important that we understand that God sees us. Individually, God knows us. Sometimes I think Christians can feel like they're that flower that's just lost in a flower bed. And then when God walks in the garden to spend time with his people, he doesn't see them. All he sees is many flowers. I want to say to you today that when God walks through the garden of our gatherings, when God looks at us as his people, he's able to look down and see the beauty and the individuality of who we all are in our own right. But God doesn't just want a relationship with us, but he really wants an intimate relationship, a close relationship with us individually. So the reality is today that God sees us. Now, when I say God sees us, it's not like God sees us in some kind of way that we should be afraid. But rather, God sees us. He knows who we are individually. He loves us for who we are. He's on our side. He's involved in our lives. He cares about the things that we're going through. Another thought is simply this. He's always seen us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can begin to think that God only noticed me when I got saved. But that's ridiculous. That's not true according to the Bible. But sometimes it can feel that way, can't it? That God didn't even know you existed until the moment you got born again. And then suddenly he said, hey, look, there's Andy. And this relationship started. Where in reality, when we read the Bible, we see that God was involved in our lives, actually the author of our lives, from before we were born. Where do we see that? A number of places in the Bible. In the story of Jeremiah, we read about Jeremiah, this young man who became this incredible prophet, speaking the word of the Lord to Israel. But when we open Jeremiah, the book in chapter one, we're confronted with an incredible truth that God didn't see Jeremiah when he was a young man. God saw Jeremiah before he was formed in the womb. And actually, God had plans for Jeremiah before his parents had ever met him. I really believe that that's the same for each of us. 
that God knew us before we were born. God knew us and formed us in the womb. And God also had intentions and plans for each of our lives as well. So in the book of Jeremiah, chapter one, it says in verse four, the word of the Lord came to me saying this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So where was Jeremiah appointed and called? Well, according to these verses, it was something that happened in the womb before he was even born. I remember hearing it put this way once, and I think it's really good, that our existence preceded conception, that we didn't come into the attention of God after we were born, after our parents had caused us to be born. Rather, each of us were important and special in the mind of God, even before we were formed in the womb. And again, let me encourage you, just as God had a purpose for Jeremiah when he was in the womb, he has one for each of us also. I believe that when we meet Christ and we give our lives to God, that's a moment when some of those purposes come into play. But it wasn't just Jeremiah, was it? It was also David. When we read in the book of Psalms, we can read how David knew that God was involved in every aspect of his life. Listen to these words that David says when he considers his life and how much God was involved in it, but had always been involved in it. I love it in Psalm 139 verse 1. He says, you have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. Come on, that's the truth. God has searched us. God knows us. He's not unaware of anything in our life, yet he loves us passionately. There's nothing that we can fool God with. We can't con him with projections that we may put on because God looks through every performance to the reality of who we are and loves us for who we are. He said, you have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. God is not unaware of who we are and the ways of our life. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Come on, who could know us better than that? But before we speak words, God knows the words we're going to speak. He says, you hem me in from behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. And then David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain or to fully understand. But then David speaks the same experience that Jeremiah knew. In verse 13, he says, it was you, it was you, God, who created my innermost being. It was you who knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you, Lord, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that fully well in my life. As David and Jeremiah, we need to understand that God doesn't just see us today, know us today, but he's actually always known us. Before our parents met, God had an intention concerning us. It was him who formed us in the womb, that God knew us before any other person ever knew us. So number one today, be assured that God sees you and he looks at you through the eyes of love. Number two, don't think that God only became aware of you when you became a Christian. He was in your life long before you ever thought about him. In fact, like we've read in the words of Jeremiah and David, he was the one who formed you, made you in your, in your mother's womb. Another point that I just want to underline that really brings courage to my heart is not only does he see me, but he sees me in ways that I don't see me. He sees me in ways that others can't see me or haven't yet seen me. Sometimes people see me through the lens of what they want to see. Sometimes we can look at ourselves through the lens of a low self-esteem or insecurity or things that have maybe shaped our perception of who we are. Yet when God sees us, he sees us like we don't see ourselves. He sees us according to our true potential and the things we're capable of. Time and time again, we get examples of this in the Bible. But we're introduced to a person, a character in the Bible that really lived. And then we see how certain people around their lives see them. But then in the next chapters, God reveals how he sees that person. And as that person chooses to come in agreement with what God says he sees when he looks at them, suddenly the reality of what God sees comes into existence in that person's life. There's so many, I really wouldn't know where to start. I'll just grab a couple. Number one, when we look at Sarah, who was married to Abram, when people saw a barren woman, God saw a mother of many nations. Remember Sarah, she was walking around, she was barren, she was old. Her and her husband had never had a child. So when people saw Sarah walking down the street, they saw her and said to themselves, there's barren Sarah. There's Sarah who will never have children. There's Sarah who will never know what it is to have a family. Yet when God saw Sarah, he said, there's Sarah. There's that mother of many nations. Isn't it wonderful that when God looks at us, he sees a lot more than what we see, but also than what others see. And then, of course, you've got David. When people looked at David, what did they see? When people looked at David, including his own dad and his brothers, 
What did they see? They saw a shepherd boy. They saw somebody that shouldn't be fighting warriors, that was short, useless in battle, that was only really good to sit with the sheep and play a harp. But is that what God saw? No. When the brothers looked at David, they said his only purpose in battle is to deliver food to us. In some ways, when they saw David, they saw Deliveroo David, the man who would deliver their food while they went into battle. But yet when God saw David, God didn't see a shepherd boy. He saw a king. See, that's the reality for us all in the lives that we're living. When we see a shepherd boy, do we understand that God is seeing a king? You see, when God looked at David, he didn't see him in what he was presently doing. He was seeing what he would be doing when God's good hand was upon him. Again, countless examples. What about Joseph? When people saw Joseph, they didn't see what God saw. We know the story of Joseph, that God steps into this young man's life with incredible visions and dreams. And God starts to reveal to him that he's going to be a prime minister of a nation, that God is going to use his life to bring a whole nation out of famine, to guide a nation in a time of crisis. But when David, sorry, Joseph, begins to share these stories with his brothers, we all know that his brothers couldn't see what he was seeing. They saw an arrogant young man, a man that thought too much of himself. They didn't realize that Joseph was only communicating with them the things that God had showed when God said, this is what I see. When I look at your life, Joseph, you see, when God speaks to us about what he sees, he doesn't see just the moment when we were in the womb. He doesn't just see the moment that we're currently in. But he sees the end from the beginning thereof. Often when God speaks to us, he speaks to us in the language of who we're going to be by his grace. But sometimes because we're not experiencing that. We don't think he's talking to us. When people saw Joseph, they saw a dreamer. They saw a kid who was somewhat arrogant. Even in his later years when he was in prison, when people saw Joseph, they saw a prisoner who'd been imprisoned for an act that was adulterous, wrong. But when God looked at Joseph, even when he was in that moment in the prison, God never saw a prisoner. He saw a prime minister. And then, of course, you've got Gideon, one of the best examples in the Bible of a person living in their personal perception of who they were. The problem being that personal perception was completely different from God's viewpoint of their life. When we read about Gideon, we're introduced to a man called Gideon who's hiding in a wine press. He's a coward. He's afraid. 
He's living in the preconceived ideas or the identity that had been formed, not just by his mistakes, but the mistakes of those he had come from. Yet God appears in this wine press and addresses Gideon, not as Gideon sees himself, but how God sees him according to what he will be. So God turns up and we read about this in Judges chapter seven. God turns up and he says, hey, good morning. The messenger of the Lord steps into that wine press, that place of insecurity and fear. And says, good morning, mighty warrior. How are you doing today? Gideon responds out of his own preconceived ideas of himself, his own self-assessment. He says, he looks around, he must look for the mighty warrior and says, are you talking to me? And he doesn't respond with words of faith that bring him into alignment with God's opinion. Rather, he says, I'm the worst of the worst. I'm the weakest of the weakest. I'm a coward. I'm from a legacy of cowards. My whole heritage is cowards. There's cowards everywhere. Yet when he's speaking all of this rubbish about who he is, it's like God totally ignores him. Because the next thing that God says to Gideon is, go in these mighty words of yours. I don't know about you, but when I read that story of Gideon, initially when I first read it, it confused me. When I read the story of Gideon and I hear God saying, you mighty warrior, you mighty man of valia, go in these mighty words of yours. I'm holding my Bible and I'm saying, I don't see a mighty man. I see a coward hiding in the wine press. I don't hear mighty words with authority written in them. I hear a man bleating like a defeated sheep. But you see, here's the point. What Gideon saw of himself that was based on what other people had told him he was, as well as his own insecurities, what he was seeing was completely different to what God saw. Now, who would know Gideon better than the one who had formed him in his mother's womb? But you see, Gideon had a choice in this moment. He could deny the opinion of God, the identity that God was offering him. He could have cowered back into the wine press and said, I'm just a coward. Thanks anyway. Hey, you've mistaken me for someone else. You're having an identity crisis. This person you're speaking of, it's not me. And he could have shrunk back into his viewpoint of who he was. I'm so glad he chose not to do that. What did Gideon do? He said, this sounds kind of strange, but I like the me you're offering me. And he stepped out of the wine press and in to the revealed opinion of God concerning who he was. So what happens next? If you're familiar with the story of Gideon, you know, you just turn a couple of pages in your Bible and suddenly you're introduced to this man called Gideon, who's leading an army that's totally outnumbered against an army but can't be numbered like the grains of the sand on the beach. And you see that God actually says, no, 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 you've not seen your capability. Let me help you here. And he strips down an army from 32,000 people down to 10,000 people, then down to 300. At the start of the day, he's leading 32,000 people to an army where he's outnumbered. 
Now he's down to 300. Then God takes away their swords and gives them trumpets and candles. And Gideon leads this army of 300 people over a hill to fight an army that's so big it can't be counted. I don't know about you, but I don't see a coward in a wine press anymore. I see a mighty warrior. But the thing is, God saw the mighty warrior before Gideon saw the mighty warrior. So why am I saying all this today? Number one, I think it's important today that you know that God doesn't see you as part of the crowd. But God loves it when we're in the crowd, but has an individual relationship and wants an individual relationship with us all. Also, it's important that we know that God's understanding of us didn't start when we were born. But actually, it was him who formed us in the womb. It was him who caused us to be wonderfully made. But number three, we understand the power of this thought. that God sees us better than we see ourselves. God sees us like others haven't yet seen us. You see, in the closing moments of that story with Gideon, the 300 men with him must have said, there's Gideon, he's a warrior, he's our leader, especially when they won the battle without fighting, when they saw the Lord go ahead of them and bring them the victory. That 300 men must have been saying, Gideon's a mighty warrior, Gideon's an incredible leader. But the thing is, it was God who had seen that in him when others hadn't. And it was when he stepped into God's opinion and out of his own that suddenly what God said he was called to be became the experience of his life. I want to encourage you today. Are you hearing what God is speaking over your life? Maybe you've been subject in your past or in the formative years when you were developing your assessment of yourself, of who you are and what you can do. We need to see if our assessment matches God's. And if it doesn't, we need to, like Gideon, leave any wine press that we've known. We need to say, Lord, thank you that when I read your word, it doesn't just reveal who you are, but I also see the reflection of who I am in your eyes. I believe for us all, we were born for significance, that God has a purpose. It wasn't just Jeremiah that was given a purpose in his mother's womb. I believe that God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And he wants us to connect with that purpose. With everything that has to do with God, it's always a matter of faith, isn't it? We start our salvation or we enter into salvation by faith. The Bible says we're to live by faith. But also, I believe we're to know who we are by faith. What do I mean by that? We hear who the Lord says we are and we know that he sees us correctly. And if what he sees disagrees with what we see, we change what we're seeing to come into alignment with his viewpoint. With all of these people, Sarah, David, Joseph, Gideon, Mary, the list could go on. 
What did God require from them? Well, the answer to that is really simple. He just required their yes. The moment that they gave their yes, I will be a mother of many nations. Yes, I will be a prime minister of the country, even if my brothers are trying to kill me. Yes, I will be a king and not a shepherd boy. Yes, I will be a mighty warrior and not a coward. The moment they gave God their yes, who they really were, who God had made them to be, came into play. I want to encourage you today. Why don't you, in your prayer time, the time that you spend with the Lord, just ask him afresh, Lord, would you show me what you see when you look at me? I believe that God loves to answer those kind of prayers. But when he begins to reveal to you what he sees when he looks at you, don't deny what you're seeing. Don't shrink back. Rather say, yes, Lord. All right. If that's who you see when you look at me, yes. Lord, if that's what you see me doing with the life you've given me to live, even though it seems radical, crazy, even impossible, I give you my yes. You see, the yes that we give the Lord can start play and take our lives off of pause. My prayer for you today is that you would ever be discovering God for who he is, but also you would be understanding in who you are as he reveals through his word the person he's called you to be and the life he's caused you to live. The Lord bless you. Be encouraged today that God sees you. He's always seen you. He loves you and he loves you madly. God bless.